And well, I guess at the point where we start behaving like we're not on a team is that when we feel threatened in the connection with each other. So if my partner feels threatened, that my partner maybe doesn't care or, and it, it doesn't take much because we're very sensitive there because of our strong need for attachment and our strong bond and loving and, and need to keep that love bond going. So we are very sensitive. So when we get into that feeling that perhaps scarily my partner doesn't care, we will have a very strong reaction that at that point we will start behaving in a way as a protection. Maybe we will up the ante and go for more. Maybe we start complaining, maybe we get angry, but actually it is because of the love bond. It is because we care so much about the other. It is because we are so deep down afraid that the other person will not be there when we need them. Welcome to the Dignity of Suffering. Have you ever been brought to your knees by the challenges of life? What if you could enter the world of the therapist, be a fly on the wall, and hear their stories and insights into life's biggest challenges? Discovering a place to learn from the experiences of others who've tried to find dignity in their suffering. Each week, Mitchell Smolkin takes a candid look at the trials and tribulations of being alive. Mitchell is a registered psychotherapist author and speaker. He hopes to show that slowing down and becoming curious about our human experience can enrich our perspectives and plant our feet more firmly on the ground. Now, here's Mitchell. Welcome to episode 32. In today's episode, I have a really meaningful chat with psychotherapist, couples therapist, and certified emotionally focused therapist Louise Vaslund. And one of the reasons that I love this interview is that if you're not familiar with the research that looks into the neurobiology of attachment, Louise's way of talking about relationships and a kind of democracy in relationships when it comes to our emotional needs is clear, compassionate, and just very thoughtful. I wanted to do a series before I break for the holidays on looking at how we deal with all of the different challenges and opportunities of meeting with family, of spending time together, and just debunking some of the more superficial ways that we might respond to the complications that family and other important relationships can often provoke in our emotional and interpersonal lives. It's very easy to put people into boxes, to put our partners into boxes around some of the frustrations or sensitivities that get evoked when it comes to family. And I think Louise does just an amazing job at what we call in therapy, attachifying certain phenomena that come up. What that means in simple terms is that when somebody perhaps becomes irritated or tired, or maybe somebody freezes because of a certain emotional response, 
it brings up a certain discomfort in us. But when we look at things through an attachment lens, meaning what is the need and longing that is driving someone to behave in a particular way, then the whole lens shifts. And as you'll hear Louise explain, even when somebody is seemingly you know, minimizing somebody's feelings, as in, oh, why are you making a big deal about this? On the surface, that looks like someone is being uncaring. But Louise goes in and talks about how at the end of the day, even when someone is trying to turn down emotion in that way, it's coming from a very sensitive place in them. Perhaps they don't want their partner to be upset. Perhaps they just want the night to go well. Perhaps they're just feeling nervous about their own emotions. You know, these are altruistic and somewhat benign sensations from the point of view that on the surface it might look like somebody's being irritable, but when you actually dig deep, you can see that there's a real attempt at caring about their partner. And this is the bread and butter of healing relationships and of looking at what on the surface may look like someone being somewhat malicious when in fact they're really just trying to settle themselves. And these kinds of reframes are at the heart of deepening our close relationships with others and really scrutinizing why we get our backs up, which I think can just make us closer. I love hearing your feedback. I hear from people throughout the week regarding they're listening to this podcast, the different ways that they respond to it, the emotions that it brings up. And I hope you'll reach out to me on Instagram at I am Mitchell Smolkin. Rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, which is one of the most effective ways to get the word out. But obviously, wherever you listen and spend your time consuming this kind of media. I'm wishing you all uh, easy preparation to time off. Those of you that do get time off and those that don't, sending you my love. And I hope you enjoy my conversation with Louise, looking at how we should think about our relationships and some tips to help us get through the holidays in a more collaborative and loving way. So I'm super excited to have my colleague, Louise Vestlund, who is one of my favorite couples therapists in Stockholm on the show. And we're known to, when we've had more time on our hands, meet for lunch and talk about couples therapy, talk about parts of our work where we're struggling, lean on each other you know, complain about the things that we don't like in our field, but also talk about the things that we love. And I know how much Louise loves working with couples and how much they love them. They're always calling her in the city. So I wanted to bring her onto the show and she's here to talk a bit about heading into the holiday season and just us having a casual conversation about why important moments such as the holidays, the New Year's Eve, are difficult sometimes for couples. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks very much for having me. We were chatting a bit before recording about, you know, sort of typical scenarios that can really, on the surface, seemingly be 
kind of benign, but actually, as we know, as couples therapists, couples come in and these things stay with us, you know, such as I think the example that I was sort of bringing up was that, you know, maybe someone goes to someone's house for Christmas and for years, someone's mother-in-law treats them in a way that that makes them feel bad. And then that can start to affect the relationship because that tries to be processed. I mean, I think those are the real tests, right? Someone's like, this is hurting me. And you were starting to talk a bit about what you do or how you see that when a couple comes in and talks about that. And I wonder if you could share a bit of what, what that feels like for you or what you say to a couple when they come in and talk about some of the places they get stuck. Yeah. Well, it's quite a common problem that like we talked about before. A typical scenario would be that I come to your house, I go into your original family and all of a sudden I don't feel like we are a team anymore. Mm-hmm that the one part of the couple would then feel left out, maybe get a bit annoyed, irritated with their partner and ask them to pay more attention or maybe want to talk about this mother-in-law who is annoying them or hurting them with their comments. And uh, this is creating a really difficult scenario often because, of course, the loyalties for the person who is visiting their home would make them go into maybe trying to defend the mother or maybe diminish, like dismiss it, say it's not so bad, she's always been like this or never mind. And of course, the partner then that goes in to visit this family feels really, really hurt by that, feeling maybe ignored or feeling like the the partner doesn't pay attention or doesn't think it's important. And of course, that would increasingly make this person feel left out. And a very common reaction then, of course, is that we get frustrated, maybe annoyed. We might say that we might just up the ante a bit and say, yeah, but she's really, really bad, isn't she? She just said this. So, you know, we just make it bigger to get some attention from our partner. And the partner then would, of course, get really nervous and hope that this is not going to turn into something and try Mm. to diminish it. So we have then created, or they have then, of course, created this cycle or pattern that could be very polarizing and and then hurtful for both, and especially maybe for the person who comes to visit and feels really left out and feels like they don't belong and they don't really have anywhere to go to feel comfortable. So it's it's a very typical and difficult scenario for both partners, I think. And the way I would approach that is, of course, to try to help both partners feel understood there, because it's a difficult scenario for both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and to validate that it's a normalized, that it's quite common, but also try to help them see how important it is that they try to keep the team feeling, try to talk about it in a way that the other person can actually understand. And, and try to invite them to to talk about that and not get so afraid to talk about it or afraid that this will mean that she will never or he will never want to come back to my family or depending on who it is we're talking about. You, I love how throughout what you just shared, you really stayed with this idea of like the team and loyalty. It just 
it, it feels so clear and so important because I feel like, you know, this couple came to me yesterday and she said to me, you know, she said, I think, I think one of the reasons this really helps us is because you always remind us that it really comes down to the fact that we love each other. Yeah. <laughs> and I had tears in my eyes because it was yeah. like, it was so touching. And so I wonder if you could say a bit more about that idea, because I think couples, as we know, end up turning on each other when really, you know, really what's going on is that it's because they are loyal and a team, that's the pain that's actually being injured. Right. Uh, So can you say a bit more about that idea? Because it seems very clear in you that this is really about like, how can I get the two of you to come back to that feeling of being a team? Yeah. Well, I guess that the point where we start behaving like we're not on a team is that when we feel threatened in the connection with each other. So if I, with my partner, feel threatened um, that my partner maybe doesn't care or and it doesn't take much because we're very sensitive there because of our strong need for attachment and our strong bond and loving and need to keep that love bond going. We are very sensitive. So when we get into that feeling that perhaps uh, scarily my partner doesn't care, we will have a very strong reaction that at that point we will start behaving in a way as a protection. Maybe we'll we will up the ante and go for more. Maybe we start complaining, maybe we get angry, but actually it is because of the love bond. It is because we care so much about the other. It's, it is because we are so deep down afraid that the other person will not be there when we need them. And that's why we go in so hard and, and try to protect the relationship like that. And it might just be that the person who is, and if you take this example, who is in the original family and tries to defend the mom, they're actually trying to not have that argument, not mm-hmm. have that fight mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. as a way to protect the relationship as well. But it, mm-hmm. it, when it comes out like that, it has a tendency to spiral and escalate. And, and it is really because we care so much about it, each other. That's the irony with it. The more we care, the more we tend to get into these spirals when we yeah. get stressed like that. Yeah, there's two, <laughs> I almost want to ask you two questions at once, but mm. I'll, I'll, I'll do them in order. <laughs> what I love about what you're saying is that you're also really making space for the person who is in their family of origin mm. and starts to feel nervous about the tension that is rising, the anxiety to cause conflict, and their own fragility yeah. that they carry around what it means to maybe confront their mother or, Mm. and that that feels really important because it would be easy on the surface to just sort of take a very one-sided view and say, well, like, why aren't you standing up for me? (laughs) Or, you know, and I hear you sort of really making sure that, I think it'd be really helpful actually for people listening to this, that that actually the you know the person who's going over for dinner has their own set of fears and and anxieties in their own in their own home. Mm. And I wonder if you could just say more about that because it seems really yeah important to you. Yeah. Do, do you mean the person who goes over for dinner, the visiting person, or the person who? No, you were saying the home. person who may have protected their mother and the family of origin. Yeah. 
is equally nervous. It's not. Oh, yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, that's a really hard spot to be in because obviously you would love everyone to just get along and have a nice time. And if you sense the tension from your partner racing, of course, it's an uh-oh feeling and you want to go in and help. And then you get stuck in the middle because, of course, you want to support your partner, but you would also not hurt your mom who's made this dinner or maybe wants it a certain way or has these expectations that you kind of know in the back of your head that maybe it's not going to be something that your partner likes. But then, of course, how do you go in there and try to rescue the situation without hurting either of your, either your partner or your your mom or or it's your dad or whoever it is that is organizing or bothering your partner. So it's really difficult. It's a super difficult situation. And so I don't blame them for trying to like, no, it's not so bad. And don't worry about it. But of course, that will go straight on to trigger that feeling of he doesn't care, does he? Or she doesn't care, does she? It's great because as I was thinking about these kind of series of interviews and exploring why in our many of our cultures there's a kind of cliche about going to visit family and so many Hollywood movies around family dinners that just dissolve you know there's a movie with Meryl Streep called August Osage County I think it was written by Sam Shepard he's actually in it and it is one of the most epic epic like dissolutions of a you just have to see Meryl Streep rip and Julia Roberts is Meryl Streep's daughter oh, in the I've film. Seen it. I think oh, I've yeah, seen yeah, yeah. it. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Yeah and the sisters are outside smoking and trying to talk like it's All just right. yeah. it feels so important that we talk mm. about and normalize the fact that going over I was just I had my students in my office just now and we were just you know they, I was asking them actually ideas for this and they were talking about sort of like like you're so exposed, right? Normally in your life, you can be on your own. You can go read a book. You can maybe go for a walk with your partner. And now everyone's there, right? Uncle, whoever, or the grandmother that makes comments or like, and we said, you're you're kind of trapped in some ways. Like you kind of know where to go. And one of my students who's actually from Turkey made a really interesting point. And she said in her culture, these events are actually very formalized, even with dress. So like, it's almost scripted. And she was saying, actually, things don't often get into fights because because the way you're supposed to behave and what you're supposed to wear and all the foods and everything is actually so kind of laid out that that protects almost these kind of spontaneous eruptions. But then she also said that, you know, it feels very fake, like it's kind of plastic, like, you know, But I, I don't know. I, I feel like the couples that come in, in general, we all wish that these things would just flow better or be easier. Mm. And it's mm. nice to hear you talk and say, well, of course, like, of course, it's nerve wracking. You know, you mm. want it to go well. The expectations are super high. And I think that's I think that if we do anything well as as sort of emotionally focused couples therapists, I think that's one of the things we do quite well is exactly what you're saying. We. Mm we zero in on all of the very understandable reasons that people feel pressure or get anxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you, I think you did a beautiful job of naming them. Right. Thank you. Yeah. 
But it's interesting you say that about this Turkish uh, person or client you have, because um, I see that a lot. I work with a lot of internet international couples, so Swedish. Maybe there's a Swede in the uh, couple, and then the other partner is from somewhere else, living in Sweden. And and it it goes for all of these holidays like midsummer, Christmas. We have different customs, and sometimes when you're coming from a different culture, it's really difficult to understand why do we eat these herrings? Why can't we just eat something else? So we usually have turkey for Christmas. I mean, these things as well will will be difficult sometimes. We'll miss home. You'll be nostalgic about Christmas, and it, it might just be really tense. Yes, in that sense as well. Yeah. No, I've been thinking a lot about that lately, and I don't think we talk enough. It, it can be too easy in a relationship to start to argue about those differences. And when you get into some of the more psychoanalytic theory, for instance, the French philosopher Jacques Lacan, he would say that all of these things like herring and turkey and mm -hmm. custom, those things are actually meant to protect us from our anxiety, right? It's meant to protect us from a kind of void, right? So we fill the event with very specific customs. Mm -hmm. And like you're pointing out, you bring two people together from different customs mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, you know, you're not in the forest anymore together, right? You have different instincts and you don't really know how to behave. And one person feels very strongly about it. The other one's like, why is it so important? And I think like you yeah. pointed out, then the team breaks apart. Yeah. And it's super, super scary. It gets a bit scary to think, oh, we're this different. And sometimes these differences will, at those points, get very exaggerated like that. And you start arguing, and all of a sudden you're wondering, are we too different? Which is a scary thought as well. So it has a tendency to escalate or to, to get raised in situations like this. Yeah, I love what you just said. The fear, we, we are too different, right? That's when the dragon comes and says, maybe we're not compatible. Mm. Which, you know, I actually don't think it's true. No, me <laughs> I neither. Think, no, I think that it really has to do with how do we learn how to... And this maybe is a segue to my question, which I don't think is maybe an easy one, but I know... Sometimes somebody's response, maybe someone who's listening to this and maybe not familiar with attachment theory, or it's a bit strange to think like that it's so important that the couple feels like they're together on things. Often people's response, and I, and I hear this very often, is, well, you're responsible for your feelings yeah. and I'm responsible for mine. And it shouldn't be my job that my mother hurts you you have to go to therapy and learn how to, you know, deal with your fears around that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I just wonder what you say, or if someone comes in and, you know, their partner's sort of been trying to say, hey, like, I feel left out, like you said, or I feel alone. Mm -hmm. And the person's response is, well, it's not my problem. I mean, right. I didn't make, I didn't make my mother. What? Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious what you would say or do. What? Well, what I would say, to start with is that actually this has been said in some sort of an escalated argument or maybe an ongoing escalation. Um, is that sense of the person who says that is not my problem. I would wonder and I would be very curious and I would guess 
that this person has already tried to, to do something about it, has tried mm. to say, oh, it's not Brilliant. so bad. My mm. mom is really nice and don't worry about it. That's their way of trying to help. However, when it goes through the eater and lands on the, the partner, it lands on this very raw spot of, uh-oh, he doesn't care or he or she doesn't care about me. It sounds like I should just forget this, that I this feeling I have doesn't matter to him or her, which is going to be a trigger. So I'll have a very natural reaction to, to go a little bit stronger with me my argument but she's really bad your mom or say something that thing she said is really bad you know so I do it a little bit stronger to get heard but of course then it will land on my partner again like he or she needs to defend even more or dismiss even more so then of course it comes back to me so it ends up in this pattern and of course when they come in they've thought about this a few times it's probably not the first time they bring this argument up when they come to couples counseling Oh, they've had this argument when they bring it up in couples counseling. So I would guess that. So I would try to help this person to find a way to validate how that could feel. Like you probably, you tried so hard to help, but it hasn't really worked. And now you want to give the problem back to your partner. Because whatever I've done, it hasn't, whatever you've done, it hasn't really helped. And of course, the partner then feels utterly alone. And it's just the ultimate evidence that he or she is not important which again you know if you look back at it if they've been trying they've been polarized they lost each other they lost the connection and then they end up in that place feeling very alone and not understanding each other at all and not feeling understood and not feeling I mean for the partner who's been trying to help and it's not really been working not feeling good enough or whatever I do it doesn't work for all of you listening, this is Louise Vestlund. She's in Stockholm. Now you can see why everyone's banging down her door. <laughs> have this beautiful, compassionate, thoughtful way of really looking at the person and saying, you know, there must be a really good reason that it's come to a point where you feel so afraid. Yeah. And when I hear your anger or frustration, you know, I imagine that this really was something that you felt stuck around quite early on and tried in your own way to reach your partner. And when that didn't work and things escalated, now it's become really polarized. And it's beautiful, Louise. And I mean this sincerely, how you really come back in your own mind and your heart to be like, where when did this fear start and when did the disappointment start and how can I honor this person's attempt to fix it mm. and maybe help the other person see them differently and kind of remind them of how much their partner really cares about them. It's just that now right. they, the two people feel really far apart. Yeah. And it's beautiful what you said, because that's, we say things when we reach the state of fatigue or overwhelm. We all do it, right? And mm -hmm. and it's so important to draw a distinction, like you're saying, between the way we say things when we don't feel like our pain or our fear will be heard and what actually starts to happen when we see the door open yeah. and there's more possibility of being uh, received. Yeah, right. Beautiful. 
Yeah. <laughs> I know um, just before we kind of wrap up, I know we talked about, and both of us, I think, feel similarly about this, that we're not really in the business of giving advice. And I think even the ways that you've been so thoughtful about these questions or, or helped even me kind of just refresh a kind of sensitivity for just a place that we're usually coming, you know, I wonder if you imagined a couple that you were seeing and you're taking a break for the holidays and they're nervous, <laughs> you know, and they're like, yeah. hey, we're just a bit nervous. We're doing all this great work with you, but, you know, we're a bit a bit nervous because it's not easy to go there. Is there anything that you would say to them? What would you... I would, I would probably try to help just say, talk about it beforehand, talk about where it could go wrong. I mean, now when perhaps if they've been coming to me for a while, they would probably already know a little bit more about where they go in the pattern, how sometimes they get stuck and where they get stuck. Um, so I would ask them to really go through it before the normal trigger points that could happen that they have experienced before. Talk them through. Maybe even find some way of touching base with each other throughout to decide maybe we can do this, you know, we can even have a sign to each other where we need to just go back and take a little walk or something to get away from everyone and just get back together, reconnect if things get hard. That, that's probably what I would suggest. Talk Lovely. about it beforehand. Expectations. So, I mean, go through the expectations beforehand. Both of you want to have a really good time. So I think they're coming from the same place. They want to have a good, smooth Christmas and yes. holiday. And if they can talk about it before, it really yeah. helps. No, that's lovely. I'm hearing that that similar theme, like to find a way by imagining and talking through things that they're going in as a team. Like this mm. is a team effort and is there a way when we're there that you can give me a sign if you're feeling a bit alone or a bit sure. is there a way that we can stay connected yeah and that really does reduce anxiety huh like i always i don't know when i draw an image of it in my mind when a couple comes in and someone starts talking about someone in the family that hurts them i always think of the couple like as the nucleus and there's all of these people and factors and stressors around them and it's like yeah. if the two of them can come home and laugh about uncle whoever or the mom and be like oh wasn't that like Typical. there she went <laughs> yeah there she went again right yeah. and like if the two people felt like they could be in it together it it, yeah. it goes yeah. a long way yeah because when it comes down to it it is about that connection if we feel secure in the connection if you know where we have our partner if we try to you know talk the same language in the sense that we understand each other we don't really get that triggered easily it takes a lot more to get triggered then yeah well thanks this was lovely i think it's going to help uh, a lot of people who are maybe feeling anxious or I think especially the you know what was so valuable about what you shared was was recommitting ourselves to try to understand the genesis of what either is making our partner feel anxious or what's difficult for them or what's difficult for us so that we can come back and have that conversation 
rather than, as you pointed out, it becoming polarized and then, as we know, turning into blame or, you mm. know, withdrawal okay. and yeah, uh, which doesn't never feels good, but is yeah. normal, I think, when we get scared. Yeah, yeah very. Right. Super. Thanks for coming on. Okay, well, thanks and for I, having me again. <laughs> and I hope the holidays with your family goes well. Yeah, thank you. The same to you. It was so refreshing to talk to Louise. I found her ability to look at the whole of the relationship, to really soften her own thinking around, for instance, in her example, the way one partner may have tried for many years to to help their partner feel safe, and then after time, they start shutting down in a way and how to the outside observer that may look like they're just frustrated, but actually that they have really good intentions and really just feel uncomfortable when things go wrong. I I think it is very worthwhile for us to slow down and really look at our partners, ourselves, our friends in as three-dimensional a way as possible. We know this helps us feel less stressed. We know this brings down our anxiety. We know that just recommitting ourselves to being curious about others and ourselves just gives us more space and room to breathe, especially when we're dealing with emotionally complicated situations. Thank you for listening. As always, please share this. Please come and have conversations with me on Instagram. I love talking to you and hearing your feedback, and I wish you all a good day. I remain faithfully yours.